July 29, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro show. <laughs>
no telephone calls would do any good a knock on the door be like knocking on wood I'm back where I was at the start there's nobody home in my heart once my heart was a cozy apartment where love But love did not wear well So we just said farewell Tacked up a go-away sign Bye-bye, love affairs So long, little crowd repairs no no peddlers allowed so pick up your dreams and depart there's nobody home in my heart Yes, indeed. Well, for Pedro Show, you heard my guest, gave himself away there. Happy uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday of July, 2020. <laughs> Summer halfway over. Uh, started off with John Coltrane and Eric Dolphy practicing in 1963. 
then we had, yeah, my guest, because even though Brother Matt's still at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple miles south of here, I am not Manilow because of those geniuses with their software invention in Estonia called Skype. I got Mark Bingham with me. Mark, Mark you're talking to me from uh, New Orleans? No, I'm in Henderson, Louisiana, or Bro Bridge, whichever you want to pick. I'm kind of in the middle. And Henderson is right is right on the Atchafalaya Basin on the swamp. Okay, okay. So about how, how far from New Orleans is that? 127 miles. Oh, so like Baton Rouge distance. Well, yeah, it's like I got to go through Baton Rouge to get to New yeah, Orleans. Yeah, yeah, because Baton Rouge is around 90 miles, right? Yeah, 70, yeah. 80, yeah, 80, 90, yeah. Okay. You know, I haven't yet got to play Henderson yet, but uh, one day I will. Yeah. <laughs> well, they cut, they, the uh, Army Corps uh, cut all the bars off the levee and made everyone move like 30 years ago, so you're kind of late. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Orson Welles said, no wine before it's time, but I guess yeah. it's time. <laughs> They say it was a great scene 35, 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark, can you tell me your earliest musical recollection? My earliest musical recollection, I think, is hearing uh, Richard Rogers' Victory at Sea over and over again. Oh. And uh, I think that's uh, the first would, for this show. I've been doing this show 19 years, and nobody's ever told me that. I know. Well, it's, it's an odd one. Cause, and then, right. you know, my dad... My dad loved Monk, and he took me to see Monk soon after that. So I got to hear a lot of great stuff wow. early. But early on, I mean, that was like, yeah, it was like every Sunday, there was no music in the house until Victory at Sea. And my dad was a sailor and got sunk, and it was a prisoner of war and all that stuff. So it was a big deal to him, you know. What did he do on the boat? You know, I, I don't know what he did on the boat. But it was the Houston, and it got sunk off the coast of Java. Okay, and he right. made it to shore, and he was 16. Because wow. they, let, they let young ones in the World War II. So. My pop was a machinist mate, but he only did Vietnam War. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's like my era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, okay, victory at sea at home. In the pad, was there musical instruments? No, not a thing. I mean, I, I basically got... I, my family moved around all the time. So when I was in Indiana, there wasn't a whole lot that I remember. Uh, and it wasn't until I was like seven or something. I, I discovered the Everly Brothers. And then I had a, so then I had to get a transistor radio and I started sleeping with it. And, uh, you know, I just became obsessed with all the pop music of that time and Fats Domino and Little Richard and, you know. Can you remember the first record you bought yourself? Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. It may be really embarrassing. It may be like a four season single. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Get some New Jersey in there. And years later, I had I was working in a in Malibu, and Neil Diamond was in the studio at night when we were in the day, and Bob Gaudio, the Four Seasons guy, was producing Neil Diamond. And he let me play his Telecaster bass, and damn, you could it—it it was that bass. <laughs> wow! Do do do, you know? Yep, yep, with yep. with uh, flat wounds, sure. flat wounds on it, real dead. Oh man! Uh, anyway, that was like a big moment for me. That I'm sure Bob Gaudio 
doesn't remember those five minutes, but I do. Oh, you know, you, you <laughs> told me your pop took you to see Thelonious Monk. Right. Was that your, like your first gigs? Well, yeah, uh, I think so. Because there was some place, I can't remember where it's, anyway, it was some place that you could take kids that was still, and it was a fancy place. It might have been like the Plaza Hotel or something ridiculous like that. What, what town? But that was in New York City where I saw Monk. That's where he lived, yeah, okay. Well, I lived, you know, I mean, no, but like, that's where I lived in, Monk lived. <laughs> yeah, Monk lived there, yeah. I lived in 15 different places before I got out of yeah. high school, so my parents were all over the place, you know. I know about military. <laughs> I'm a rootless, I'm a rootless cosmopolitan. That's okay, it's okay. Cosmopolitan <laughs> is very okay. Uh, but, but I'm curious, I've never had a guest on the show that saw Monk live. I saw Monk live a bunch. Wow. I saw Monk Live later on with six people in the crowd at the five spot and Charlie Rouse. And later on, I got a chance to, deal, you know, meet Charlie Rouse and everything. Monk, I never really met. Now, was so he I, solo when he played? No, it was the band. Oh, it was, like, okay. it was okay. Frankie Dunlop, Charlie Rouse, uh, Monk, and da-da-da-da-da. I don't know who on the bass because I didn't know any of that thing. But, you know, nine months, John Coltrane played with him. Right. 1958. See, I was a little young for that. 1950s, you know. It's when he kicked the shit. Right. Okay, uh, I'm curious. What about school? Did you do any music in school? Like, well, Like the marching I, band or choir or shit like that? I didn't really qualify, you know? I wasn't, it was like I wasn't any good at it. And it wasn't until I did music in school when I started singing and I started being in a band. And then I got a guitar, you know, and then I started playing guitar and writing songs. Now, what was but your in first the school was, band, I didn't know shit, you know. What was your first guitar? My first guitar was a Framus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, you know, like the Bill Wyman bass, sure, but sure. it was a guitar version. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and then I had a Hagstrom, too. Oh, and then I had a Zimgar, which were amazing. Japanese. I had a lot of Japanese guitars that cost like literally $9 and stuff. Oh, yeah. Me and D. Boone had like $15 ones from the pawn shop. Yeah. What was your first amp, Mark? Um, a Reverber Rocket Ampeg. Reverber Rocket, yeah. Look, look, I want to play here uh, something you did with Alan Ginsberg. All right. Had to be playing on the jukebox. Had to be flashing like the Daily Double. Had to be playing on TV. Had to be loudmouthed on the comedy hour. Had to be announced over loudspeakers. CIA and Mafia are in cahoots. Had to be said in old ladies' language. Had to be said in American headlines. Kennedy stretched and smiled and got double-crossed by low-life goons and agents, rich bankers with criminal connections, dope pushers in CIA, working with dope pushers from Cuba, working with big-time syndicate, Tampa, Florida, or the Contras, had to be said with big mouth, had to be moaned over factory foghorns. Had to be chattered on car radio news broadcasts. 
Had to be screamed in the kitchen. Had to be yelled in the basement where uncles were fighting. Had to be howled on the streets by newsboys to bus conductors. Had to be fog-warned into New York Harbor. Had to echo under hard hats. Had to turn up the volume in university ballrooms. Had to be written in library books. Footnoted. Had to be in headlines of the Times and Le Monde. Had to be barked over TV. Had to be heard inside alleys through barroom doors. Had to be played on wire services. Had to be bells ringing. Comedians stopped dead in the middle of a joke in Las Vegas. Had to be FBI Chief J. E. Hoover and Frank Costello, syndicate mouthpiece. Meeting in Central Park, New York, together weekends. Reported posthumously, Time Magazine. Had to be the mafia and CIA together. Started war on Cuba, Bay of Pigs, and poison assassination headlines. Had to be the dope cops and the mafia. Sold all that heroin in Harlem. Had to be FBI and organized crime working together in cahoots against the commies. Let Lucky Luciano out of jail. Take over Sicily Mediterranean junk trade. Had to be Corsican goons in office strategic services pay. Busted 1948 duck strikes in Marseille. 60s port transshipment Indochina heroin. Had it been ringing on multinational cash registers, worldwide laundry for organized criminal money. Had it been CIA and mafia and FBI together, bigger than Nixon, bigger than Reagan, bigger than war. Had it been a gorge throat full of murder. Had it been a mouth and ass, a solid mass of rage, a red hot head, a scream in the back of the throat. Had to be in Kissinger's brain. Had to be in Rockefeller's mouth. Had to be Central Intelligence, the family, our thing, the agency, mafia, organized crime, FBI, dope cops, and multinational corporations. One big set of criminal gangs working together in cahoots. Hitmen, murderers, everywhere outraged, on the make, secret, drunk, brutal, dirty, rich, on top of a slag heap of prisons, industrial cancer, plutonium smog, garbage cities, grandma's bed sores, father's resentments. Had to be the rulers wanted law and order. They got rich on wanted protection status quo. Wanted junkies. Wanted Attica. Wanted Kent State. Wanted war in Indochina. Want war in Central America. Had to be CIA and the mafia and the FBI. The multinational capitalist strong arms squads. Private detective agencies for the very rich, and their armies, navies, air force bombing planes. Had to be capitalism the vortex of this rage, this competition, man to man. Horses, heads in the capos, bed, Cuban turf and rumbles, hitmen, 
Gang wars across oceans. Bombing Cambodia settled the score when Soviet pilots manned Egyptian fighter planes ten years ago. Chile's red democracy bumped off with White House pots and pans. A warning to Mediterranean governments: no reds in the top. Secret police embraced for decades. NKVD and CIA keep each other's secrets. OGPU and DIA never hit their own. KGB, KGB, and FBI one mind. Brute force, worldwide and full of money. Had to be rich. Had to be powerful. Had to hire technology from Harvard. Had to murder in Indonesia five hundred thousand. Had to murder in Indochina two million. Had to murder in Czechoslovakia. Had to murder in Chile. Had to murder in Russia. Had to murder in America.
Now your hearth, it may glow And your board, it may groan And your warmth and your wealth Seem entirely your own So you clip your cigar As you doze in your den And consider the mob Of unfortunate men Who have slept in the street Where they fight over crumbs While you calmly amass Astronomical sums
from Pedro Show. Yeah, Allen Ginsberg with Mark Bingham doing had been playing on the jukebox. How'd that happen? How did it happen? Um, we had uh, Hal Wilner collected a bunch of composers slash instrumentalists, uh, and Alan was convinced to do a recording where he recited as opposed to sang. And uh, so we all, we got copies of Alan's collected works. This would be 87 maybe? Yeah, 1987. And so we all picked ones that we liked and then we ran them by Alan. Alan was cool. Uh, and then we all, we divvied up three, I think three each. And uh, Mark Rabot, Steve Swallow, Michael Blair, um, Ardo Lindsay, yeah. Beaver Harris was on the gig. Ooh, man. wow, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, so we all got together in the studio with Alan, and we all brought in the music, and we pick so and so. You know, some of them were duets, and some of them had a ton of people on them. Um, and so this song. I I like love this piece, but the record that came out, a it was too long and it was too political. It was during, it was from Alan's rant period, and it turns out I love it now because everything he said was true, and <laughs> and it makes perfect sense in 2020. And but it for a record to come out in 1988 or 89, it was kind of like yeah, and so it just sat on the set there forever, and then. Uh, and I asked the guy who had the rights to it if I could put it out. And I said, yeah, go ahead. So I did. Oh, bitch. After that, we had... Oh, and Bill Frizzell's on this. The guitars on this are me, Frizzell, Rebo, Swallow on bass, uh, Ralph Carney uh, and Gary Window oh, on Carney. horns. Ralph, Ralph Carney playing. Uh, and then we played. all played a bunch of percussion. And who else is on? I think that's, I think that's it. So it's, uh, you know, guitar... Guitar whammy circa 1980s. Petra Hayden's been play, uh, singing with uh, Bill Frizzell lately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, uh, let me tell the people what else they heard. They heard from uh, Holland, Atlanta with uh, Lou Lee. Then uh, Caustic's brand new uh, project with uh, Devin Hoff, incredible bass man, living upstate New York right now. Caustic's with Touch Nine. A uh, few in uh, Seichi Yamoto with uh, Sora, some Osaka monster music people. Uh, I got to do some gigs. In fact, uh, Seichi Yamoto had a, has a club called, well, he did, live room that I played there called Bear, I think, in Osaka, like 12 years ago. And he, he great. He came on and uh, started rapping and stuff. And then uh, I, Natalie, love, I love that town. Yeah, <laughs> Natalie Krug, much different in Tokyo. People don't know. Oh yeah, no, it's the it's the, the bomb. people I are love too. Uh, uh, Tiger, I mean, they're both good. Uh, the Human Hearts, uh, that's uh, Arthur Franklin with uh, an untimely beggar. Something he just did, and then finally, uh, Mark Bingham with my, my my generation. Forty years later, so we kind of skipped ahead there. I want to go back to you know you got these early guitars. What's the first band you played in, Mark? Uh, if I can remember, 
the name. It was the, I think it was like the Malibus, and which morphed into the Vultures, which morphed into the Green Power Movement. So you can tell what era that was. And um, yeah, those were all pretty much the same high school band. And what about the first? Names. What about the first gig of the first version? Uh, I I think that was in a it was in a church basement club called the Purple Pit. And where was this? That was when I lived in Mount Kisco, New York. Okay. And what was it like? How'd the gig? Was it a good one? A bad one? Were you scared? It was a, it was a good gig. No, I wasn't scared. It was dark, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, what kind of material? Were you guys writing your own songs yet? I was writing songs. Uh, one of the other guys were writing songs. But mostly we were mining. You know, we had discovered, largely through the Brit invasion, we had discovered, you know, blues. So we would play blues tunes and we'd play... The dances in those era, we'd have to play everything from doo-wop, uh, slow dances like uh, Jay and the American, She Cried, or we'd play Angel Baby and that kind of uh, stuff. And then we'd play, we might go from John Lee Hooker to the Walker Brothers, Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. You know, it was a very, you know, whatever you play, you learned all these songs, you learned the songs off the radio, and then you learned the other songs that, but, you know, you wanted to play. I didn't understand, Mark. You said mime. Said what? Mime. M-I-M-E. Mime? Yeah. You said we mimed. To oh. me, that sounds like you ain't really playing. I thought it meant we mined, <laughs> like, like digging into, oh, digging, okay, for, okay. digging for gold. Mime, mime I thought is, it was some kind of Marcel Marceau trip. Mime is, mime <laughs> is money, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so, uh, no, we, you know, we were just digging into stuff and that was before, see, I got out of high school in 67. So we still had a band in 66 and that was the year when I think Freak Out came out and everyone read the notes and then looked up every single talking Frank Zappa. person that Frank Zappa mentioned in those liner notes. You know? yeah. Now, mm -hmm. now you said you, uh, you wrote some songs. Can you remember the first song you wrote? Um, yeah, kind of. And we, we actually recorded it. And uh, the lead guitar player's father was a northern Westchester County real estate mogul who had a mistress who is a songwriter. And he wanted to record her song. So he got the son's band to back her up. And as a result, we got to record one of our own. Which was yours. What was it called? Yeah. It was called Don't Let Me Hear You Say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they released it on some weird label that was probably hooked up with Morris Levy or something. You know, you know it's like roulette. one of those. Oh, yeah. T sub, Tommy James. And, uh... Some set of roulette labels that, uh, so that was maybe 65, 60, you know, something. And, uh, and the other side was the was mistress singing, "Boy with the sad eyes, comma darling." <laughs> and, and we did it in ODO Studios, which was in Midtown Manhattan. And I just remember how cool it smelled in there. Whoa! You know, in the studio, just and then a lot of studios smell like that when they have like in those days. They had it was a small room with padding on the walls. You know, 
Also, and, uh, also a lot of vacuum tubes, so pretty hot. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't aware of any of that at that point. I mean, I started to be soon after that. But at that point, I was still like, wow, look at this. <laughs> yeah, yes. Walter Sear had an all tube place in Midtown that I got to record oh, sure. with yeah. Ron Ashton in the 1997. Uh, so what happened after this band went through several versions? Well, we uh, we were playing a band battle that was also up there in North. I went to high school in Mount Kisco. It was a public high school, but it included Pound Ridge, which was they called the Golden Ghetto, where Everyone from New York who was Jewish who made money would move to Pound Ridge. And then there was Bedford Village, where Martha Stewart lives now, that was redlined against Jews or blacks by the banks. So there was no, yeah, you had that. And then you had Bedford Hills, which had a home for orphans from Bed-Stuy and Harlem in, that went to our high school. And then you had Mount Kisco that was working class Italian. So you had all walks. This high school was great because it had all kind of people there. And uh, so, and one of the people that lived in Pound Ridge was Howard Cosell. And Howard Cosell. Down goes Frazier. Yes. <laughs> and Mike Watt. Was, no, no, I sound like John. Mike Watt was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, to share proper parents. I can't, that's, that's John Sinclair as Howard Cosell. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So uh, anyway, I, I always Cosell. remember down goes because he had a thing with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad. Oh yeah, he had a thing with Muhammad Ali, and and his photographer's name was Howard Bingham. Believe it or not. Yes. Oh, the, right! Wow, wow! And you know, there's a town in upstate New York called Binghamton. There's a college yep. there, a SUNY. Yep. You know, I've never been there. I'm, I'm I got to play there twice with a minute man. All right, yeah, on the circuit, man. Back on in the, the circuit, <laughs> you know it. The you know the, fam- circuit, yeah. the famous SUNY though is the one in Stony Stony Brook because that's where the Blue Oyster Cult comes from. Right, right. I remember. I remember. Yeah, it's funny. I got to. I got to talk to them on the radio sometime. Joe's going to be on the show Friday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, we reached the end of the first hour, July twenty nine. 2020 edition of Pedro Show. Special guest Mark Bingham. Hold tight for hour two. July 29, 2020. It's the second hour of the Wap from Pedro Show.
to dedicate that song to Uncle Bobby as well. He brought that to us. Showed us that song all the way from Breton.
Watch for Pedro Show start off the second hour with uh, Jumon de Michaud, which is, pardon my French, Cajun, uh, Creole, whatever, terrible stuff, uh, because in big respect is a beautiful language, from Michaud's Melody Makers. And then uh, Guided by Voices, Your Cricket is Rather Unique, Damon Smith, New Nest in Your Ear. Damn it. There we go. Uh, Dance of Illusion from Hi Maya. Gonna uh, have them on the show, an old Ohio band. Uh, and then Michelle's Melody Makers with some more live stuff. Jolie Juice Roses. Yeah. Julie Joe Rose Roses. <laughs> anyway, the big connect, uh, listeners, is. Uh, between Mark and the show here is Louis Michaud. He's been on a few times. He's a great cat. He has all kinds of projects. It's one reason why I asked Mark if he was calling from New Orleans because uh, Louis does a lot of music there and uh, Shreveport, Baton Rouge, all, all that Southern Louisiana stuff. But also he goes to New York City and does stuff up there too. What, what's your connect, Mark? Tell me how you met Louis. Well. I uh, I knew I knew the band and like ten years ago I had a girlfriend that loved the band and I would go out and see the band but I never met met Louis or anything and then uh, I met Louis when I moved I left New Orleans in 2014 and moved out here uh, thinking I was just gonna you know quiet down a little I I brought most of my studio gear so I had it set up I kept working and then eventually in 2016 I guess I met. I met Louie at the brewery that's down the street and he came over to play on somebody's recording and that kind of started it up. It was like, you know, it was like I put the amp like right in the same room and didn't make him wear headphones and played it back, you know, so he could, you know, and it was like, whoa, he it was like, you know, why bother with that other stuff, you know? And then I played it back and you couldn't hear any of the, music coming over the speakers and he was like whoa okay so uh and then we started he liked how it sounded and he and then we did some lost by ramblers recordings for films in here and then by 2017 in january it was 2017 i don't know he uh anyway he called me to said come over and sit in for he had this other band the melody makers which was really just the rhythm section of the Lost by Ramblers. So I went over to sit in and it was just like very explosive. It was just, and the thing about Louis is there's no, we don't solo, we just listen. So if you can hear and play and respond and the bass player is the same way and really don't. So it became this really, you know, we were all kind of stunned by how it sounded. And so then he just started calling me for gigs. <laughs> it was like that. Because you said off air, you said something. You were glad to fall off the turnip truck. Well, you know, I mean, I just—I mean, I could have been out here for years and never met anybody. You know, it's not the friendliest place in the world out here. It used to be, but not anymore. You know. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, it was. You know, and I wasn't pursuing. You know, I didn't want to be the guy that had the big studio in New Orleans that moved to the country and started trying to take everybody's gigs. So I was trying to lay low. I had enough. You know, like I've had more gigs out here from France than I've had from Lafayette. 
Wow. So, you know, but <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, I, you know, I just like, because there's a lot of great people here and there's a limited resources. So you don't want to come in and go, you know, and try to like, you know, show your ass to everybody, you know. Yeah, what's the old word? Bogart. Yeah, Bogart. <laughs> you, know, you know, no, you don't, you don't play that. So. <laughs> you know, I want to play something here that you, get, you, you sent to me uh, from Ed Sanders. How did you meet right. Ed Sanders? Oh, gosh. I mean, I can't remember when I met Ed. A lot of people like Ed, I meet them. I met them when I was young, and they don't remember anything of it. But to me, it was a big deal. And uh, but and then Ed, eventually, I had done all that stuff with Alan. And the same man that um, produced and put together all the uh, poetry things that we were doing back in the 80s and 90s that mostly Hal was Hal was the producer, and I was a monkey boy here and there. Uh, but that same guy named Michael Minzer from Dallas was going to put out an Ed record and asked me just to do all the music. So I met it. I talked to Ed on the phone, got his poems, figured it out. You know, spent well, it was a good couple of weeks there. A couple yeah. of weeks on a poetry record. Woo woo. Yeah, that's happened. <laughs> and people, for you younger listeners out there, Ed Sanders was in the Fugs. Let's listen. Ash Wednesday and Lent. We partied for five straight days and nights until the morning of the smeared ash. I fell upon my flood-scarred knees by the spot where everything had washed away. I begged the earth for forgiveness, beseeched the sky for lengthened moments, importuned the milieu for just a hint of spirit. And then somehow I felt a flow of bliss. It only lasted for 30 minutes, but I knew it would come again, 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 on the day of the ashen skin above the lids, when my aluminum boat would no longer have to be used, even among the spirits, and my children would always believe in their daddy and mommy, and the Egyptian sun boat would always transverse the water to escape the snake. Seven Wednesdays, and then the third day when the two sad Marys once came to the cave of the rolling rock. No matter how much we gambled, demanded the women pull up their dresses, drank absinthe, and sprayed gold paint on our dongs, the fingers of those forty days of penance and charity still ran themselves within where we think, the place where our grandmothers were sure eternity sang. And now where we'll be alone in the fullest commixture of everything that ever was in the ever.
sun comes up above your shrunken head. You check your pulse now. Make sure you're not dead. You sacrifice everything you got. You think it means something? It does not. Gave a drink A pretty poison to me Now listen, I don't say Stupid words And listen, I don't play Fancy chords I sacrifice Everything I have I thought meant something I do that Drink. A pretty poison to me. I took a sip now. That's not how it should be. Gave a drink. A pretty poison to me. And I don't want to be anywhere. But you're not gonna be. You gave a drink. A pretty poison to me. I took a sip now. That's not how it should be. I took a sip. A pretty poison, you see. Now I'm a goner. Maybe that's how it should be. And the communists have nothing to offer but fat cheeks and eyeglasses and lying policemen. And the capitalists proffer napalm and money in green suitcases to the naked. And the communists create heavy industry, but the heart is also heavy. And the beautiful engineers are all dead. The secret technicians conspire for their own glamour in the future, in the future. But now drink vodka and lament the security forces. And the capitalists drink gin and whiskey on airplanes, but let Indian brown millions starve. And when communist and capitalist assholes tangle, the just man is arrested or robbed or had his head cut off. But not like Kabir and the cigarette cough of the just man above the clouds in the bright sunshine is a salute to the health of the blue sky. For I was arrested thrice in Prague, once for singing drunk on Narodny Street, once knocked down on the midnight pavement by a mustached agent who screamed out, Buzerant! Once for losing my notebooks of unusual sex, politics, dream opinions. And I was sent from Havana by plane by detectives in green uniform. And I was sent from Prague by plane by detectives in Czechoslovakian business suits. 
card players out of Cezanne, the two strange dolls that entered Joseph K.'s room at morn also entered mine and ate at my table and examined my scribbles and followed me night and morn from the houses of lovers to the cafes of Centrum. And I am the king of May, which is the power of sexual youth. And I am the king of May, which is industry and eloquence and action in amour. And I am the king of May, which is the long hair of Adam and the beard of my own body. And I am the king of May, which is crowned Mayalis in the Czechoslovakian tongue. And I am the king of May, which is old human poesy. And 100,000 people chose my name. And I am the king of May. And in a few minutes, I will land at London Airport. And I am the king of May naturally. For I am of Slavic parentage and a Buddhist Jew who worships the sacred heart of Christ. The blue body of Krishna, the straight back of Ram, the beads of Shango, the Nigerian, singing Shivaya, Shivaya, in a manner which I have invented. And the King of May is a Middle European honor, mine in 20th century, despite spaceships and the time machine, because I heard the voice of Blake in a vision. And repeat that voice. And I am the king of May that sleeps with teenagers laughing. And I am the king of May that I may be expelled from my kingdom with honor as of old. To show the difference between Caesar's kingdom and the kingdom of the May of man. And I am the king of May. Though paranoid, for the kingdom of May is too beautiful to last for more than a month. And I am the king of May, returning to see Bunhill Fields and walk on Hampstead Heath. And I am the king of May, in a giant jet plane, touching Albion's airfield, trembling in fear. As the plane roars to a landing on the gray concrete, shakes and expels air, and rolls slowly to a stop under the clouds, with part of blue heaven still visible. And though I am the king of May, the Marxist bureaucrats have beat me upon the street, kept me up all night in police station, followed me through springtime Prague, detained me in secret, and deported me from our kingdom by airplane. Thus I have written this poem on a jet seat in mid-heaven. What for Pedro show? Yeah, we heard Ed Sanders doing Ash Wednesday in Lent. Ed Sanders. Pete Lochner after that from the old Cleveland scene with Hideaway. New Hard Folk after that with Kitchen. Team Dresch got a new record. And uh, this tune is Your Hands, My Pockets out of Olympia. Chicos Raros out of uh, Barcelona. More Ridiculamente. And Blood Train Cows out of New Mexico. That's got Greg Turner teaching calculus. Amy Samoans guy.
pretty poison. And finally, Crawl Mahalas by Allen Ginsberg. So, uh, listeners, Mark's got a story about actually playing with the thugs. Well, we were, let's say, there's a guy, Kobe, that I know that's in the thugs now. We actually, we have to limit this down to, it was a triple bill at the at the Bowery Electric or one of these during a beat conference. And I get to go to the beat conference because Alan used to say how much he loved Carl Myalis and that it was like his favorite poetry music thing that he'd ever been involved in and blah, blah. So, you know, Alan Ginsberg speaks, people listen, and uh, you go from the gutter to the penthouse. And anyway, so, but they had a... Um, a conference, and at the conference, there were more more of us talking with jars, uh, pitchers of water in front of us. There were fewer of us than the audience, and there were 50 people filming it from around the world. And it got in the New York Times, but there were eight people in the audience. Okay, we cut to the gig. We call those cut, character builders. Yeah, cut to the gig that night. <laughs> I play with this guy, Peter Stampfeld. Peter Stamfell I've worked with since the late 60s. Uh, Peter Stamfell was an original Fug. He's on the first stuff with Absolutely. the Holy Mill Rounders with the Fug's backup man. So I go back to that, you know, and that's why I mean, Ed doesn't remember. Actually, Peter doesn't even remember the record I worked on in 1968 with him. He doesn't remember that I was there. So that's how this goes. Anyway, so we get on this gig. So we, we open. And then the Fugs played, and it was great. And I saw Ed in the dressing room, and Ed didn't – I had cut my hair all off, and Ed didn't recognize me, so that was kind of funny. And then the last poets played. And the last oh, wow. poets in the dressing room, the last poets were kind of bickering. So I thought, this is a weird – I don't know what this means about the 60s, but <laughs> it's weird that the last poet – and the last ones went on stage and continued to bicker amongst themselves on stage. Because I thought, this is really <laughs> – so the, the the revolution will not be anyway. Anyway, um, but um, I when I worked when I worked at Elector in '68, Elector was sending me to the Democratic National Convention as the young person to check out because the MZ5 was going to play, and at the last minute they pulled my plane ticket and said it's too dangerous and I didn't get to go. Oh, I would have I could have met Ed then. <laughs> but uh, so the. You said the Fugs played, and then Last Poets played. It was a triple bill. What was the third? Yeah, me and Peter Stanford. Oh, okay. So you did a duet thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just back him. I just follow his crazy ass around. You know, he knows what he's going to be. You know, it's like, and people came up to me afterwards and said, what effects are you using? And people were amazed. And I was like, uh, it's like my fingers. <laughs> oh, you mean like a box or some shit? Yeah, they thought I had all these pedals. I was like, "Yeah, uh, no, I I don't use a pick." And I, yeah. you know, it was very funny. Mark, even the young, even the young bass players now are using these pedals and shit. Yeah, I know. It's like you can't tell who's who anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, starts... you can really tell Jim Hall from from uh, Wes Montgomery, from George Benson, from this, from that. You know, yeah. from Grant Green. You could tell Paul Chambers from the, you know, Jimmy Garrison, but now you can't. It's hard to tell. Right. Everybody's got their things going, which is cool. It just, you know, things change, and there you are. But you know. You know what? You start putting drum sets through the 
stomp boxes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, anything. I remember the first the first band that came into my old studio that that was running everything through the Sands amp. And I was like, wow. So everything now, and that's become epidemic. Like you can't like, yeah. you can't have a drum overhead without crushing it. And you know, when you used to be able to do that in the seventies with a Neve compressor, you're being innovative. You're thinking, wow, you make this really cool. And, yeah. And suddenly when everybody in the world does it, it becomes like, oh, well, okay, fine. Wait a minute. Now I got to find something else to hot rod. So you can always hot rod everything, but you know, you know. Absolute. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, J J July 29, 2020, Peter Show, special guest Mark Bingham. Hold tight for hour three. July 29, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. shot didn't work with your other meds and you had a seizure. I don't mind that you sat watching TV for three months until they turned off the power. I don't mind that you wanted the police to carry you out in your recliner. And I don't mind that you captured the event on your iPhone. you took care of a raccoon and knew how to work window locks, take the lids off jars, and get into kitchen cabinets. I don't mind that the raccoon ate all the hippie food that no one else would touch. I don't mind your ex calling and asking for beer and rent money. And I don't mind you having pictures of your ex-lovers in the bedroom. That you never have any money for us. I don't mind that I pay for everything. And I don't mind that at age 43 you still live with your mother and your father and your daughter 
and that you're still married to your second husband. boys and girls and flaunt it in front of your daughter. And I don't mind that your daughter's a beautiful spoiled brat who always gets her way and throws temper tantrums in public. I don't mind that your ex, the guy you're still married to, lives for porn and sends you ten hot emails every day which you then forward to me. I don't mind that you've had 60 lovers from Lubbock to Slidell and you can recite their names. You know, I thought everything was okay. I don't mind when you tell me men are not the answer, even as you devour them and burp them up in mid-sentence. tell me that what you've learned from men is that you've learned nothing from men. I don't mind that you think men are spoiled, deluded, and capable of sane actions. You're probably right. I don't mind when you say, this is our world, made by men. mind that your shame comes from using people. I don't mind that you take in 16-year-old runaways too drunk to say no and all too ready for their Kerouac moment with Angel Mommy. I don't mind that you feed them breakfast. I don't mind that you give them manicures before sending them away. Backpacks bulging with Vienna sausages and chili weenies. So burn the incense and eat the bread of the dead. All the ingredients are assembled. Place the fruit and the plates and the candles and the flower petals for the souls of the dead to follow you home. It's going to be beautiful. Black Swag over Los Angeles. Looking for a place to eat. We found a side alley filled with smoke. The smell of lavender, carne asada, and roasting red peppers. Look out, look out over the ruins spread around the freeways. The murals are beautiful. And the skulls are made of sugar and coffee. Beer and weed to drink and smoke on your long journey to and from the afterlife. 
to and from the afterlife.
show we started the third hour off with to and from the afterlight mark bingham with non-me no enemy oh okay it's spelled uh phonetically people so <laughs> well it's the new orleans new music ensemble yeah, you okay, say that. okay it's an acronym it's an acronym <laughs> it's an acronym okay yeah and uh after that, we had Crane with the Flower Girls, Black Moon Tape, Doctor Part One, Wire Lion, Shining Blade, David Gerard with uh, something brand new. He took the title from my first opera, Contemplating the Engine Room, to make an ambient piece. So it's a little bit different, kind of completely. But thank you, David. Uh, Pete, and I think he did this in upstate New York. Uh, Peter Stempfel finally with Ray Vaughn, and uh, we were just talking about the gig you did with him, and fooled yep. everybody with your pedalless performance what, what, yes. so so what about this uh no enemy well no enemies kind of fizzled out now but 10 years ago we were you know we could get it was people that were in the orchestra or really good players that could read uh would come together and we had a 20 some piece group that would perform and so we all of us uh <clears throat> composers would write pieces for them and we do one concert every three months or so. Okay. And uh, uh, it was fun. It was great. And But it just, it was, uh, what do you call it, unsustainable on a certain level? Yeah. So it could be like a parallel project, but only so long. Yeah. So was, I want to ask you, you didn't send me any Cosmic Cajuns. Well, I mean, the three, the Louis, the live Louis stuff, that's what that is. Oh, it is. It's not. Yeah. It's not Michelle Melody Makers. Well, the name of the record is uh, is Cosmic uh, Cajuns from Saturn. Ah, oh, so that's the that's the title and of the record. The it's joke, not the name of the band. The joke is since I started playing with them, and and in this band, yes, I've got pedals, and I've got and I sound like you know a vacuum cleaner and a pterodactyl landing at the same time. Only in tune and in time. And uh, and so, you know, people, and so the thing is with Cajun music, yeah. I'm still playing it, but I'm playing different voicings all over the place. And I'm listening to Louie, 
and I hardly play the same way twice through the forms. Yeah. And this caused people to say it was psychedelic or cosmic or something. And to me, it's just like, you know, I'm, you know, you can't play jazz and extend the harmony and do this and that, but you can do all kinds of interesting things musically within these forms. So sure. I think a lot of people had revved up Cajun music before, but I think what, what I'm doing, me and Louie are doing as far as like, it's, you know, idiot, uh, idiot savant counterpoint or something, you know? <laughs> well, you, music's a great communicator. You know? <laughs> what, what, what is this social climbers? I want to play the social climber thing you sent me. Where was that? Chicken 80, social climbers. Chicken 80, yeah. What about it? Well, I don't know. You got to tell me about it. Oh, okay, well, uh, yeah, it was like I had this great... I was in New York and I started working with different people there in the late seventies. And, uh, I think it was Glenn Branca had a, had a benefit for the, the, uh, we had a magazine called just another asshole, which put out a bunch of really good records. And, and some, it was an art mag that, that also it was a CD at times. So they said, I'll play something put together. And I said, okay. And they, at that point, so I was in a bad mood, and I said, they said, what do you call the thing? I said, I call it the social climbers. That's what everybody in Soho is anyway. <laughs> and and so so they put it on there, and I was like, oh, shit. And then it kind of stuck, and it was like, I regret this. It's like, you know, when you chew on tinfoil. When I think about that <laughs> name, that's what that's what happens to me. Okay. But anyway, so it exists a lot. I still get people, like, I had somebody from fucking, you know, some um, – country what's the giant dubai okay order a cd the other day you know what i mean this thing and and had this long philosophical rock critic thing about the importance of the record and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> well let's listen
Pedro Show. Yeah, that was Chicken 80 from the Social Climbers. Incredible hit in Dubai. Uh, Louis Cole <laughs> after that. Louis Cole with that. Uh, I think we... Sorry, Louis. I think we both need it. Uh, X Gold from Knoxville with Red Light. AB Normal, that's Brother Philip and Big Bear here. With, with Albatross. It's for, he said it was for Peter Green. The real Fleetwood Mac version. And God, we were talking about Danny Kerwin and... Uh, Jeremy Spencer, they had bad luck with the guitar players, but man, they could play for the little time that they did. Achieves escape velocity. And then finally, Monk's Garden from Nanako? Nanako. Okay. Enlighten us there, Mark. 
Okay, Nanako, in uh, 99, I hooked up to make this record with uh, two Japanese artists, um, Harry Hosuno, who's from the Yellow Magic Orchestra, sure, and uh, Makoto Kubata, who was a songwriter, producer, and what in Tokyo. They came to New Orleans. They were doing a, like a Louisiana record. And uh, Nanako was the photographer. And she also had a record deal with the 4AD. Go figure. And she had made some weird stuff in England. And anyway, so she was, uh, I never met anyone like her. And she had been a gymnastics champion. She was uh, the wildest Japanese person ever. She, and uh, yeah, because the spelling's strange. It should be a K instead of a C. I uh, she she was one of the first to change her name, take the K out. Yeah, because it and means make like, herself into a company like Madonna. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Because Ko means yeah. like child or little, so Ko right. is more like company. Yeah, yeah, a powerful woman. Yeah, and she was something else. Yeah, so um, and. Uh, so we just started uh, making stuff, and then that record came out. And you know, as things happen, I started I started visiting her in Japan, and and uh, then eventually it was like, okay, I think I've, I don't think I can do this anymore. And then I've never heard from her again. Okay. <laughs> Sayonara. But I love that record. You know, where where can like, people find you on the internet, Mark? Pardon? Where, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I have no website. I yeah. have no manager, no agent, and no website. I'm like, I'm like Odysseus. You and you know, didn't even I, tell I, me the name of your studio. Oh, well, here it's like, it's got five different names, too. Nina Highway, <laughs> the, the Raccoon Lodge, uh, that place in Anderson that used to be Piety Street, you know, whatever. Okay. Piety, some people call it Piety Street because they think it's going to be like cast a, a positive light on them to call it Piety Street still. But it's a lot of gear that was at Piety Street. Okay. And what would be your advice if, if somebody young you met getting into this ragged? Uh, I don't know. Don't? I don't know. No, I mean, I don't know how I, I just, just, this is just what I do. And if it's what you do, then go for it. If it's you expect something from it, then don't. Then just play play music on the side and have some fun. But I don't know what you know. I wouldn't even know how to describe what racket it is. I mean, really, <laughs> how you know? I always think like I'm the luckiest person ever. I don't know even know what I do. You know, I mean, I play. I can play and I this and that. But me and a million other people, so. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I never know what to tell anyone. You know, that sounds like a very honest answer, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Mark, oh, it's, it, look, your journey has been very singular and unique. It's a big honor to have you on the show. When you get another uh, cosmic psychedelic thing with Louis Gold, will you come back on the show and we can talk we'll about it? We'll come back. You know, it's like the Peter, when Peter's, the Peter 100 songs thing is coming out in three months. Uh, we've made one song a year from the 20th century, and it's all—it's coming out all at once. I wow. think in November, okay. and that might be something to, to, to Let, deal let's, with. Let's come back on, please, man. I, I beg yeah. you. I beg you. Okay. Because you're beautiful. Keep on keeping on, brother. All right. Thank you. People, it's been the July 29, 2020 edition of Watch Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>